For your name is great and greatly to be praised. Let's sing it again. We sing praises. We sing praises to your name. Doubt will about it. 
if it wasn't for that mercy. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Sister Becky, if you want to continue just to play that softly, uh, we're going to open the service in a word of prayer. I want to welcome uh, you to the service this morning. Um, got quite a few prayer requests here. Uh, we want to remember the Browns, Brother Jaron and family there uh, in Florida. Um, Brother Aaron Ningamanza and his family are up in uh, Jeffersonville. This weekend, uh, Brother John and Sister Laura are away at a funeral. Brother uh, Mike Pritchard is away. Um, Whitlock's. Uh, Brother David had to work. Sister Hannah's having a medical procedure this week, so we want to remember her in prayer. Uh, my son Ethan is sick this morning, so we want to remember him in prayer. The Pascals are away. Remember them. I think Sister Cindy is away, if I remember correctly. She's uh, traveling out to the West Coast visiting there, so we remember Sister Cindy Walters is away. I uh, want to remember the Smiths, um, Brother Richard and Sister Mary. We always want to remember them in prayer. Sister Crystal had a prayer request for uh, uh, her mother. She's needing a uh, healing touch in her body. Also, Sister uh, Tina Knobloch is not here, is not feeling well as well. It's good to have the drums here. I'm going to ask Brother Joe if he could uh, come up and open the service in a word of prayer. It's good to have uh, Brother Joe here with us. If you have an unspoken prayer request, just make it known by an uplifted hand. and dear Heavenly Father we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Lord your, your wondrous love and mercies you've bestowed upon our lives 
Lord, we're, we're eternally grateful. Lord, you heard these requests today. Lord, we pray that, Lord, you be with them, be with those that are traveling. Lord, the Lord, touch their bodies physically, mentally, spiritually. Whatever, Lord, our need is today, Lord, we know that you can meet it. We have faith, Lord. We have revelation today, Lord, that we're so thankful for. Lord, that you've just made yourself known to us, Lord, and we're thankful for that. Lord, bless in the service today. Bless our pastor, Lord, as he recuperates from the camping trip, Lord, and, and those that enjoyed that fellowship, Lord, we're thankful for that. And Lord Jesus, we just be with us today and we'll give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory for it all. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you, Brother Joe. Turn and shake hands with those that are around you. Welcome them to the service. And then remain standing because we're going to sing one more song standing. I'm going to sing a Shout to the Lord. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. Amen. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My my shelter, a tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath and all that I am never cease to worship. Amen.
sing it out. Shout to the Lord, earth, let us sing power and majesty. Praise to the King, mountains bow down, we'll roar at the sound. cross this uh this morning uh so i was doing stuff getting ready for um the service sitting in my office there i was just looking outside and i was thinking about how thankful i am for the blood that covers my sins every day because i make a lot of mistakes amen and a lot of times nobody else knows about that it's just me and him and i'm thankful for that blood and so i started thinking about this song and uh I didn't think we had sang it in a long time, so I wanted to sing it this morning. Well, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and of shame. Oh, and I love that old cross. Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners Was slain Was that you? Amen So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my troll at last 
I lay down And I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown Oh, that old rugged cross So despised by the world
must I lay down And I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown I want to sing this verse one more time Somebody made a donation right there. <laughs> Brother Chris, could you ask a blessing on the offering?
Lord, for that power that comes, Lord, only from you. Men have power. There is political power, military power, Lord, but the real dunamis that we sing about today, Lord, we know it comes from you. Father, the best thing we can do today now at the beginning at the outset of this service is just to commit our time into your hands, Lord. May we be edified, Lord, in your presence by the hearing of the word. And Lord, I believe that all that has been done, Lord, has set the stage for your presence to move in in a special way, Lord, and minister to the hearts of your people. And so, Father, we pray now that we would look deeply into the word and draw from the wells of salvation, Lord, that have been provided for us. And Lord, may we be edified and blessed in your presence today. Lord, take complete control. Lord, we're depending on you completely trusting, Lord, in your wisdom and your guidance today. Bless those who are not here, those that need a touch from you, Lord, those who need strength. We thank you, Brother Fulcher, today, Lord, and commit them into your hands, and we pray that you would be ministering, Lord, to his heart today. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this opportunity we have, Lord, to gather in your presence. Quicken the word now, we pray in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you, musicians. We appreciate you adding your part this morning. God bless you all. It's certainly good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, Isaac, if you want to just turn me down just a shade, we've got, uh, I got a bit of an echo here uh, on my part. So if you can bring up that uh, slide show, first of all, we welcome all of you to the name of the Lord, uh, the name of the Lord Jesus uh, to service today. And, uh, We appreciate always the opportunity to get together. Um, Wanted to mention that um, next week, as you know, we have Brother Danny Steeman, his wife, are going to be coming to visit and uh, going to be with us. So we are uh, looking forward to that. Um, Sister Hannah, good to have you here today. God bless you. Ron Knobloch. It's a special announcement here because he joins the grand and elite group of grandparents in this church. Ron, congratulations. His daughter Becca had a baby and this week and we, uh, we want to welcome Ron to that very exclusive club. And uh, we're, we're called the club of, of people who wish they had grandparents, grandchildren first before their kids. That's the name of the club. In October, today is Sister Caitlin Florian's birthday, and uh, that's today. October 2nd is David Cockman's birthday. I don't know whether David is here. Uh, Also, the day after that is Sophie Cockman's birthday, and she is here. Sister Sophie, were you going to sing a special because it's your birthday? No, okay. Uh, October 5th is uh, Jaron and Chanel's anniversary, and they... Uh, are away in Florida with the family uh, this week. So we miss them, but wish them all the very best. Now, uh, this morning, I wanted to uh, just uh, draw to something here this morning. And Brother Anwar sent me these pictures here uh, this week. And this is uh, on the right side. That's a, uh, a palette of books that are, were just newly released from the printer over in Pakistan. And we uh, do not send books in the Pakistan. They're printed inside Pakistan, so we don't have to cross the Muslim border there. And uh, these are distributed among the, the people. 
And uh, it's a great, great blessing for those uh, folks over there for sure. And this is just some of the people here that are receiving uh, materials. And that's Brother Anwar's brother who's on the right-hand side. And uh, they are very excited about having uh, their, uh, their books coming in a very regular pace. But October 1st is a special day for Brother Anwar and his family. And I know that they're listening today and they haven't been here for uh, a little while. They'll be coming. Uh, we're going to be getting them uh, to come on over and visit. But um, let me just read you a letter that Brother Anwar sent me yesterday. He said, Brother Barry, he said, I thank God for all his goodness and mercy for he is great. And I want to thank God especially for you and Sister Becky and for all your love and care in our time of troubling and su- trouble and suffering, when my wife's sister Sheba was suffering with deep depression and trauma, when she was unstable because of the threats to our home and our church office burning incident by Islamic militants in July 2013. So today is 10 years since Brother Anwar left Pakistan. Now, he left Pakistan because the Islamic uh, threat there uh, was overwhelming f- towards his family. They, uh, ins- they set his home on fire, which was his home and office, and uh, they had to escape by jumping over the roof of their building onto another building next door, and that's how they escaped the flames uh, from that fire. They brought the military in afterwards and they investigated and determined that uh, it, it was an intentional fire that was set uh, to burn his house down. Brother Anwar is the only person on earth I know who had a letter delivered to him by the Taliban that said, we are going to kill you. And I've read that letter, I've seen it. And uh, they brought it to his front door and handed it to him. And uh, they did all of that because of his perseverance in distributing the gospel in Pakistan and did an absolutely extraordinary job in spreading the message and is still doing that extraordinary job uh, in spreading the message and has been faithful. He, he lives in New York now and translates all of the sermons there uh, with the help of some of his co-workers and they print and distribute. Brother Anwar looks after all of the distribution and so forth. He's just a very tireless worker and a very faithful servant of God. Uh, He says, my children were scared and had no liberty to go to school or play outside of our little house for a long time. It was not easy for me as well, but I had great courage to move around for the work of the Lord, but had to take critical security measures. And God used you to rescue us and bring us away to be with you and be with such a wonderful church family at HBT. I was very relieved for for the family, but was a little concerned that we should live thousands of miles away from our home and people and culture and things. And I will assure you, it's a very different culture altogether, and they were concerned about that. But it all vanished in a few days when we were warmly received by uh, our blessed brothers and sisters at the church, and they all provided us our new home with our uh, all the necessary things that uh, with their precious love. So we rented a place and furnished it for Brother Anne Marty's family and received them at the airport and set them up in, in their new home there. And uh, my family sure needed this kindness and support for the healing and to come out of depression and trauma. And I have no words to express how grateful we are, we were and are. Tomorrow, October 1st, was the blessed date when you and Sister Becky and the family received us at Charlotte Airport. And it's going to be exactly 10 years that we are in the United States now. 
Their whole family are now U.S. citizens. They all have a passport. They're all able to go back to Pakistan, uh, which they have. And uh, their family has been uh, greatly blessed over the years. So uh, he's very thankful for that. When we brought them uh, here into Hickory, uh, they were so afraid. They were so scared uh, just of, of being out at nighttime and walking around the city streets. They thought... Uh, they would be attacked, and uh, they were constantly looking and uh, nervous about just even walking down their street in front of their apartment. Uh, it was incredible to see uh, how much fear uh, that they lived under all of those years, and then finally, uh, you know, began to grow out of that. And uh, it was a real blessing to to uh, to see that happen in the family. Thank God for all the blessings and healing and everything that he's done for us. And I thank God for all your help for the work of the Lord in Pakistan. And I want to appreciate you and Sister Becky and all the HBT family for your prayers and support and love and kindness. You're a great gift to us. God bless you all more, uh, Brother Anwar. So uh, this was uh, this summer when we were stranded in New York over here. And uh, Brother Anwar rescued us from uh, uh, near peril in New York City and uh, got us to our hotel and looked after us. And it was a great blessing to be able to fellowship with him over those few days. But on the right here is a picture of uh, Brother Anwar. And uh, for several years, because he was under such pressure in Pakistan, I would fly over to Dubai and he would come out of Pakistan and we would meet there for a few days and uh, he would uh, get a little bit of rest, but we could also plan and talk about the needs in that part of the world. And uh, you know, we would discuss things about translation and printing and all the other work that goes on. So it was a great blessing. And over the years, from the day I met Brother Anwar, I knew this man was a special man. He has a fantastic testimony. Uh, and his perseverance for the kingdom is extraordinary. And so when he comes again, uh, we'll have him share his testimony. And I know he's listening today. And Brother Anmar, we love you and all the family. And uh, may God bless you uh, on this special anniversary of 10 years. Now, I wanted to take you to a couple of scenes here. And this is not a complete story, but this is the camp out here uh, over the weekend that we had starting Wednesday <clears throat> and uh, it was a great blessing. This is actually the last picture I took as all the vehicles are in the picture here and we're moving out. But I thought it was a nice picture and uh, it was uh, just certainly a wonderful time for sure. And uh, of course what makes up the camp out <clears throat> is the food. <clears throat> but the second thing is the people who go. And uh, it, it was just a great blessing <clears throat> there. And uh, you can see everybody's very happy including one-eyed Matt. Uh, we call him Patch. And uh, uh, it was a great time uh, for everybody there. So everybody's supposed to smile in these pictures, whether they feel like it or not. And so smiling is a big deal. Uh, and the, they caught a crawdad here, so you can see Miles. He's not going to let that crawdad get out of the, get too far. He's got his eye on that dude. And uh, so I need to tell you about one of the greatest comebacks that ever occurred in the history of cornhole. Uh, well, I can tell you later a little bit about that, but this was one. Uh, it was just a stellar moment uh, there. So one of the big things that we enjoy, of course, is the good food. We spend a lot. We invest a lot in eating well. And if you go hungry in the men's camp out, you're either dead or you're not there, one or the other. And uh, this was uh, Titus here. He had 
Uh, we actually baked bread on the sister Becky came to the rescue and sent us sourdough rolls. How many enjoyed the sourdough rolls and peach honey butter? And then we baked. <laughs> Theo was good, wasn't it? And uh, we had uh, 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 baked a loaf of bread and, and uh, we were cutting it up there. Uh, and Titus is holding a, a piece there. And uh, I thought some of these pictures are really emblematic of the, of the joy that we had. Uh, around the dinner table there. These are, it's, it's basically all we do except cornhole. That's the other thing that we do. And um, Brother Jason was our fearless leader uh, through it all. And there's lots of uh, feats of strength and tests of endurance <laughs> during our time. But if anyone wants a warm and fuzzy moment, here it is. And uh, this is the father-son moment here. This is another father-son. It's not so fuzzy, but uh, it's another father-son moment here, which was great. And uh, we, we did some hiking there. Now, <clears throat> I just want to end this with a couple of pictures that I didn't quite understand. So Jude threw this one in, and I'm, I'm not sure whether this is intentional or not, but Jude, did you want to come up and talk about this picture at all? But if that throws you off, how about this one? I, I just, I can't, just, uh, Isaac's my good buddy, but I, I just couldn't get through with this one. That's our camping group there, or a hiking group uh, who were away on the, on the hills there. So, <clears throat> But it was a wonderful time, and uh, the, uh, the guys, you know, you can always tell it's a good time because before we leave the place, they're planning the next one and uh, working on the menu for the next one. So uh, we, we just appreciated Brother Peter and his leadership there and getting things going, and uh, Lord willing, we'll have a little... Maybe a little earlier announcement about the date next year, because I know it's hard to uh, fix dates and so forth, but a few brothers that have never been on it or haven't been on it for a few years, uh, that's a great, uh, great opportunity. And Sister Lily, we're still, uh, she said she was coming to do dishes for us and never showed up. <laughs> Maybe next year. All right, I'm going to ask you to stand if you don't mind, and uh, we're going to look in the scripture. That's fine, brothers, you can take that down. <clears throat> so we're going to do this this morning the old-fashioned way, and uh, do it by turning in your Bibles, because I came off from home without any uh, notes, and the very fact that we have anything at all this morning is because Sister Becky came to the rescue and was a good North Carolina wife, and drove uh, for a while, and let me study coming down the road. And so uh, I pulled together some of these thoughts that were, have been on my heart, and I haven't been able to shake them over these last few days. And I want to just share some things with you on this subject of headwinds again and uh, see where this takes us. So we're going to go in Matthew in the 6th chapter, first of all. Matthew 6. And then we're also going to look in the book of Proverbs. There's nothing at all that's complicated or new about the scriptures that we're going to read. They're all ones that are familiar. Most of you could quote them. 
But I want to take a little closer look at some of these scriptures here because they're just for me, they're becoming a little more illuminated and that's exciting. Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin at verse 31. Now, in my Bible, in my Schofield Bible here, above verse 25, there's a little headline there. And it says, the cure of anxiety. This is a cure for, for anxiety and worry and trouble. To trust in the Father's care. And Jesus says in verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, and are ye not much better than they? And let's skip down to verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is which today is and tomorrow is, cast, cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, and your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all of these things." So you don't need to tell God what he already knows. Jesus is assuring us he knows. He understands that you have basic needs in life, and we don't need to remind him that we have basic needs in life. But he's telling us something very clear. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, generally speaking, Jesus says in another place, seek and ye shall find. It's a general command to seek in order to find something. But here Jesus is telling us exactly what we should seek. He's saying, seek first. Make this your priority. And this is about priorities today. Seek ye first. Make this your first priority. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So this comes because of that. There's a consequence here. Do this, and this happens. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, and sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Take your Bible, and let's go to Proverbs, if you don't mind. Proverbs, the 10th chapter. And we're going to read one verse here, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. May God add his blessing. You may be seated. We're proud of our financial peace class. They're coming to the last class today, so they'll be meeting this afternoon. And we appreciate Josh and his leadership in helping 
get that, get that through in record time. <clears throat> now, we've been talking over the last little while about this subject of, of headwinds and how that, <clears throat> how that headwinds to everyone except a sailor represent a pushing against or a pushback in life. We, we very often when we talk about headwinds and what it means if you're walking down the road, and many, many times I remember growing, when I was growing up in Newfoundland, and because it was an island and because we were uh, coastal, uh, our, our area was always very windy, always very windy. And uh, going to school, I remember walking to school down the road and having to keep your head down and keeping your hood in front of your face because of the headwinds. Uh, headwinds to me always have kind of a negative connotation. You know, it's a struggle to push against the headwinds. If you're a sailor, though, headwinds become your means of thrust. Headwinds become your way of getting where you need to go if you know how to deal with them correctly. And we've talked about this over the last couple of Sundays, and I never, uh, I never uh, thought we would do more than just a Sunday here because it was just a thought that the Lord had dropped in my heart. But as I began to think about this whole process of how, uh, how God blesses us, it's not how we normally would expect or logically would expect. Uh, God does not get behind us all the time and just fill our sails and push us to our destiny. That's not the way the Christian life is set up. That's not the way the kingdom operates. But many times we face headwinds in life and things that, uh, that just wind up coming your way and you stand on the bow of your ship and you wonder how am I going to get from here to there with such opposition. And I don't think we need to spend a lot of time talking about opposition because we all face it, don't we? Some of you, some of you have you know, thoughts about different things. Some people deal with uh, financial problems, and, and they they're just seem to be always against you. Or there's health problems that seem to be always against you. Or there's uh, you know, just the, uh, sometimes a pessimistic view of life. And you know, people will think, well, I'll never get married. I'm 18. I, my goodness, my, my time is running out. I'll never get married. And uh, it, it represents kind of a headwind in their life. And some people can, can uh, have the kind of personality where uh, they're, they're nervous a lot. And it's not because, they're, uh, not because they're different or bad or weak in any way at all, but it's just something that they have to deal with, something that, that pushes against them all the time. And there, there are things that, uh, that you possess, there are things that you're made up of uh, just because of, of the way that God designed it. And, and Brother Branham described it like this. He said, you know, I have certain characteristics about me. And I went to the Mayo Clinic and they studied. Uh, he was checked out there and, you know, did an exam. But they also were very curious about uh, some of the phenomenon in his life and, and how that the supernatural was occurring in his life. And Brother Branham talked to, to them about his nervousness and so forth. And he talked about the gift that he had, which was a sign in his hand in the early years of his ministry. And that's why Brother George Smith said that Brother Branham could never wear a watch. He'd never wear a watch in his left hand because he had such, uh, there was such a manifestation of power uh, whenever he would take somebody's hand and they had a sickness and those dark streaks would run up his forearm and they would, uh, they would be moving back and forth. And by the shapes and the, uh, the, the mannerisms of those streaks in his arm, he could tell what diseases these, persons, uh, these people had. 
And so because of that phenomena, just in his left hand, he could never wear a watch because he'd blow it up every time he'd, he'd try to put one on. Never last through a service. And he called it one time, he said, we, we all, and I'm just paraphrasing, he said, but that's what I got, he said, in the human grab bag. It's like he says, we have all these, all these different characteristics that are in a great big grab bag, and we all got a chance to reach in and grab a handful. And you got the good and the bad and the indifferent, and that's, that's what made you up. That's what made you what you are. That's the way he described it. And there's a lot of things about you that you, you can't change. You're, you, humanly speaking, you can't change. And it is just the way that God has made us. And it's not a sign of weakness, and it's not a sign of sinfulness. It is just what it is. And because we all face different things and because we have uh, different issues in life and we refer to them sometimes as headwinds uh, or opposition, uh, we can have a negative interpretation of those things. But what I'm trying to get across to you is that uh, there are situations in life that if we lean into them correctly and we, we, uh, we, we look at them in the right way, they're actually a means whereby the Holy Spirit has to move you forward, move you along to your destination. As a matter of fact, if you lean in right, you can go pretty fast. I've sailed sailboats before, and, and when you get in, and Brother Sam will tell you here, as he was a sailor, when you, when you lean in the right way and get that sail positioned in the right spot, my goodness, you can, you can make real speed. You can make real progress in your journey, that's for sure. But it takes skill to do that. It takes, it takes the leaning the right way in order to have that. And I will say this, and I didn't bring the quote for you today because I hardly brought any, but I, I just wanted to say that, you know, Brother Branham said about his people, Brother Branham said about uh, God's, God's desire for us is that he wants to bless us even more than we want to be blessed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if that's true, and I believe that it is, then I, I say, well, hey, Lord, have at it. <laughs> I'm all for it. I stand 100% in agreement with that quote. But sometimes when you realize how the blessings actually come, it, it's, it's, a, it's an eye-opener. Because you realize God doesn't just get behind you and push you along and bless you along the way. Sometimes our blessings are actually in the form of rewards. And God rewards them that diligently seek him. And we read in the book of Proverbs here that uh, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And that's God's desire. He, he loves to bless and he loves to prosper you and he loves to move you forward. And he loves to see you have the things that you need to have. And, and, Solomon says, he addeth no sorrow with it. Now, there are some people in life who have achieved great things. They have accumulated great amounts of money or they build vast businesses. But you and I both know that, that sometimes when people do that, it comes at a great cost, doesn't it? They'll lose their wife over it. They'll lose their family over it. They'll lose their health over it. They'll lose friends over it because they're so dedicated and they're so focused on their business and achieving that goal or that dream that they had. It costs a lot of things. And many times those things are negative, but they'll, they'll even use it sometimes as a banner and say, well, you know, I, I did this and I did that, but at what cost? Now for me, for me, and I'm telling you honestly, I would, at the end of the day, with, with the experience that I've had in life, at the end of the day, I'd rather have my wife 
And I'd rather have my family. And I'd rather have my health. And I'd rather have my relationship with God than a whole bunch of other stuff that I got because of my, uh, my dedication to it or my addiction to it. Which would you rather have? But here's Solomon making sure that we understand that the blessing of God, it maketh rich. This is another kind of rich, but it addeth no sorrow. So when God blesses us, it doesn't take away, it doesn't destroy something else. But when God blesses us, I mean, there's a blessing all the way around. Can you say amen? Amen. Because the kingdom of work, the kingdom of heaven doesn't work in the way that uh, human beings accumulate wealth and accumulate power and so forth. The kingdom of heaven doesn't work that way. And we never want to, I just want to say this, that, that Satan was characterized in the very beginning as someone who exalted his throne. He tried to exalt his throne above God. Isn't that right? And, and we know from Second Thessalonians and from the stories in the Old Testament, we know that Satan's desire always was to put his will ahead of God. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be worshipped as God. Isn't that right? So he wanted to have his way exalted above God's way. Now listen, folks. None of us are trying to do things on that scale with Satan. But I want to say this. I never, and I've learned this over the years, I never want to have my will exalted over his will for my life. I may be able to do certain things. I may be good at certain things, but you know what? If that's not his will, I'd rather let that go than be guilty of exalting my will above his will. And Jesus taught us that, even to the point of death where he said, Lord, not my will, but thine be done, even when it cost him everything. And obedience is a costly thing, isn't it? And and he... He, he, he placed himself in that position to say that, Lord, I, even though this is going to cost me everything, he never wanted to exalt his will above the Father's will. And I don't want to be guilty of doing that either. Now, for a moment, just take your Bible. Let's go back to Psalm 103. Now, just, just keep in mind this idea of the priorities that Jesus gives us here in seeking first the kingdom of God. Psalm 105. And the fact that God wants to bless us and how he actually does that. I think it's a great little study for us. It's a great thing. Psalm 103, sorry. Psalm 103, and let's begin at verse 1. This is a great little psalm. And he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name, bless the Lord of my soul, and say, let's read it together. Forget not all of his benefits. Just offhand, can you describe some of his benefits in your own mind? Watch what he says in verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. How many agree that's a benefit? (laughs) He's forgiven us of everything. And he healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Hey folks, that's where we were headed, right? With the rest of the uh, rest of the cosmos, we're all headed for destruction. But He redeemed our life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy, and who satisfied thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. God, actually, there are things that God fills our life with, but we won't benefit from the blessing of it or the full blessing of it unless we forget not. 
That's what David says. Forget not his benefits. Don't, don't take for granted his, his benefits. Don't take for granted his blessings here. That's why he says, bless the Lord. And he repeats it several times. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't take for granted that he redeems your life from destruction. Don't take for granted that you live, uh, you know, you live with many blessings in your life. Hey, listen, we, we thank God for the blessings that we have. We thank God for this church, right? And for the comforts that we enjoy and the air conditioning we, we enjoy. We have air conditioning on steroids. You could slaughter hogs in this church after church is over here. There's, it's that cool. But we, listen, do you realize how many people, how many, how many of those Israelites from, from uh, 40 years in the wilderness would appreciate the, the blessing of air conditioning. We're, we're a blessed people. God has, God has allowed us to enjoy many things. We can have the message in the Bible in whatever form we want, in whatever uh, digital form we want. We can carry it with us. We can, uh, we can communicate all over the world. We can, we can actually print the message and the Bible all over the world and not go all over the world. It's an incredible thing. It's all technology that's been invented. It's tree of knowledge of good and evil. But hey, if it's available and we have access to it to use it for the good of the kingdom, let's use it for the good of the kingdom. And, and, and it's just amazing how uh, God has blessed us with so many benefits. Come on, think about it. Think about the fellowship that we enjoy and the good things that God has given to us in a, a vehicle to ride to church, right? Hey, listen, uh, there's a lot of people in the Bible who spend a lot of time walking from place to place. And God's given us the, the benefit of being able to communicate and to be able to travel and to be able to uh, go to different meetings and to be able to travel, uh, you know, to, to uh, enjoy the company of different people. But let me tell you, besides all the natural things, God has given us the freedom from sin. He's given us the freedom of the bondage of sin. He's given us eternal life, right? He's given us eternal life. He's given us the consolation that we know our names written on the Lamb's Book of Life. He has given us uh, uh, the, the fellowship and communion with Almighty God himself. He's given us all of that. And David is saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't forget that from your very soul, just continue to bless God and forget not his benefits. Don't take for granted that uh, you've been called into this, into this uh, body of Christ. Don't take it for granted that you've been blessed with the forgiveness of sins. Don't take for granted, like uh, Ben was talking about this morning, uh, the blood of Christ and Calvary's cross. Don't ever take for granted the blood of the, the cross of, of Calvary. Jesus said, whenever you take this cup, he said, you do this in remembrance of me. And you remember the sacrifice that was made. And, and we, we, we thank God that we have a promise of a place, a marriage supper and a millennium and then new heavens and new earth beyond there. And things that your eye cannot see and your ear doesn't hear and your mind cannot imagine. You cannot fathom how great it is that God uh, has, has prepared blessings for us ahead. And how God has gone behind us, uh, before us, and, and blessed us with so many things. And healeth all of our iniquities, and redeemeth our life from destruction. I'm glad that I'm not destined for the tribulation. I'm glad I'm not destined for the darkness that lays ahead. I'm glad that I'm walking in the light today. And he crowneth thy life with loving kindness and tender mercies. Hey, these are tender mercies and kindness that we don't deserve. But God says, I'm going to bless you anyway. I'm going I'm to bless you because you're one of mine. And, and, and David, uh, you know, he, he, he uh, talks in verse 5 there about the fact that there are things that God fills our life with. He fills your life with good things, and we are given a strength that's normally relegated to the youth. 
Listen now. Look what he says in verse 5. Who, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. And in the Hebrew that means that God puts in your life good things for you. So that. So that. You can have a strength that is normally reserved for the youth. I was on the men's camp out. I was watching, you know, uh, Sean and, and, uh, and uh, Lincolnton. And, and, you know, they were demonstrating their strength continually. <laughs> how many push-ups can you do? How many pull-ups can you do? How fast can you run? How can you do? How far can you throw? How? Uh, I mean, Continually. And I was thinking, what a shame to have so much strength and so few brains. <laughs> when the way it works is that by the time you get enough brains, you got no strength left, right? Don't ask me, folks. Don't ask me. But let me say this, and I, I say this with all due respect, and I say, I want you to say, I think I can say this to you uh, quite honestly here, that. The reason that we are able to do, to do so much and the reason that, uh, by God's grace, I'm able to do so much. And you folks, uh, you don't want to hear about retirement for me and stopping and slowing down and everything else. Let me tell you, if, if that continues, it'll continue because he's renewed my youth like the eagle. Not because I've got some sort of vitamin that you don't have or, or somehow i got a different body than you have. Let me tell you, it's the blessing of God that allows me to keep going week after week, year after year, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, for years and years and to be able to press on and to keep going and, and have the energy and vitality to be able to do what I'm doing here. And, uh, you know, there are lots of things to do. And I wake up, very often I wake up in the morning and I think, how can I get everything in today that I need to do and I want to do because I always think if I only had, if you know, some people I hear about it, they're turning 50 or they're turning 40. And I think, oh man, man wouldn't, I, wouldn't it be great to be back at 50 again and have another, another couple of years to do things. And you know what I'd do if I turned back to 50? I'd fill it even more full uh, with, with things that I, I would love to do because I have, uh, in my mind, I have the energy, I have the inspiration to do lots of things. I'm only limited by, uh, you know, hey... Uh, I'm only limited by, I gotta be here on Sunday. I, listen, there are places all over the world. They've invited me to come and there's needs here and there's things that I could do. And not that I regret being here. I don't want you to misinterpret this. But I'm saying that there is a, an energy and a strength that God gives to people who bless the Lord. Who are, who are, who are recipients of His benefits. And they've got it right. They realize these benefits are not because I'm doing something right. These benefits are because I've made a priority in my life. And that is this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. Am I making sense? Now, now follow me here now as we look at this. Because there's these priorities here are really important. And, and getting the priorities right is really important. When you operate in a perverted way that will not draw the blessing of God into your life. When you operate in a way outside of the, uh, the principles that God's laid down, it will not pull the blessings of God into your life. He'll not crown your life with, with uh, the blessings as he would for somebody who has the right priority set. Sex outside of marriage will not gain you a blessing. Are you with me? 
God says, do a certain thing. You need to, you should, uh, he, he, he invites us to pay our tithing. And uh, you say, well, I, I've got another way of doing that. I, I got to figure it out a little bit differently. Well, good luck. But you're not going to draw the blessing of God into your life by doing it in some way outside of God's box. Are you following me? You can rationalize it all you want. You can say, well, uh, you know, the pastor, he, uh, you know, he, he's this or he's this, something else. Listen, it really has nothing to do with the pastor, really. It is a channel that you open up in your life for God to bless you. And, and, and that's exactly what God wants to have happen in your life. And he's given you the path. He's given you the key. He's given you the way to achieve those blessings in your life. When we realize that's God that's opening that up for me because he loves me, then you know what? We should embrace that. We should follow that with all of our passion and all of our heart. We should follow those things and say, thank you, Lord, for giving that opportunity to me. Now, just flip over in Psalm 105 for a moment here. Psalm 105. And I love some of these these little passages here that describe this. He said in verse 8, Psalm 105, verse 8, He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. God remembers his word. Do you believe that? And he said, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When they were but a few men in number, yea, very few and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people. In other words, they were nomads. They were nobody. They were a people just wandering. But God says, I got a land for you. Now, it just so happened that the land was occupied. But God said, no odds. I'll get rid of those people when, when the time comes. And it'll be your land. You can claim it as your own. And he did that because he loved the people. And he said, he suffered no man to do them wrong. I'm reading for 14. And he reproved kings for their sakes. Listen, here come, here come the Israelites through the wilderness to their destiny. And God says, I'm going to reprove kings for your sakes along the way. Saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land and he broke the whole staff of bread. And he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. Watch now what he says about Joseph here. Whose feet they hurt with fetters and he was laid in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. So God had raised up Joseph. He knew what the children of Israel needed. And he raised up Joseph and he was molding Joseph. And he was shaping him and putting him through that school of adoption. And in 20 he says, the king king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. And he made him lord of his house and ruler of all of his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. Here's Joseph now in this position of actually having the power. He had, he, he had gone through this trial that God had chosen him for. And he comes out on the other side of this. He's gone through all these headwinds in life. He's, he's, he's uh, you know, wearing his coat of many colors and going to see his brothers. And all of a sudden he's hit in the face with this headwind. He's taken off in the captivity there. Now everything in his life becomes a struggle, Right? But he doesn't give up on God. God is training him and God's molding him. And it says now the king sent for him and loosed him and made him lord of his house and ruler of his substance and to bind his princes at his pleasure to teach his senators wisdom. And Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. So here's Joseph now. He's not, he's not shirking 
what God is putting him through. He's going through it. And as he does, he comes through on this side. And now he's ordering captains around. He's, he's actually teaching the people beneath him, the senators. He's teaching them wisdom. And he's binding the princes at his pleasure. He has the authority to be able to say what he wants. And he can bind those uh, that he needs to bind. And he can loose those that he needs to loose. Read on. 24, and he increased his people, Israel, and made them stronger than their enemies. Glory to God. Isn't that what, to me, that's what God wants for you, is that you become stronger than your enemies. And here's a man, Joseph, who was obedient and he was faithful and whatever God told him to do, he did that. And whatever God, wherever God sent him, he went there and he didn't curse God in the process, but he looked to God and said, Lord, there has to be a purpose for this. And he leans into this and learns everything he possibly can to become a steward and to the place where he's now stronger than his enemies and God gives him victory after victory over those things that, uh, that are surrounding him here. He's not on the bottom looking up. He's on the top place here and he's looking down at the world and he has a control that God has given to him because he's been faithful to what God has called out for him to do in this life. Are you following me? It it, it may seem senseless what what Joseph went through. It may seem pointless what God put him through, but, but, but God is actually, he's attempting, he's working at blessing Joseph, but he's going through it this way. Do you understand? He's not just saying, sit down, I'll just shower you with cash in your life. God doesn't do that. I, I don't know anybody here that that's happened to, but God puts us through things and you come out on the other side and you realize, you know what? Even though I may have less of the world's goods, I've got a confidence that I'm a son or a daughter of God and now I'm able to say a word and my enemies have to give way and I'm able to cast out doubt and I'm able to cast out fear and I'm able to cast out anxiety and I'm able to pray and touch God and cast out the enemies of my children and my wife and my family. I'm able, to, uh, I'm able to do things for the kingdom of God, not because I'm personally strong, but I know whom, in whom I believe and I know who I stand for and I know who stands right behind me and I know whose authority I come into the face of the enemy with. Amen. And he says God actually turned it around and made Joseph stronger than his enemies. In the first scene we see, here's Joseph, and he's being led uh, captive, probably got his hands bound, he's got a rope around his neck, and he's being led down into Egypt through the hot sands, and he has no escape, he has no uh, recourse, he has nothing. He's bound completely. And at the end of this story here that David quotes here, he said, here's David now, he's stronger than his enemies, he's given counsel to the senators, he's one that's able to break the bonds of those around him here. In other words, God brings him to this place, but he doesn't bring him to this place the way we think God would bring him to this place, or God should bring him to this place. But Joseph becomes, in a, becomes he comes to a place of strength, and he comes to a place of victory. And it is all because God loves him. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Let me assure you, that's exactly what God desires for your life, is to make you stronger than your enemies. <clears throat> So when we seek first the kingdom of God, and this is what Jesus said, I tell you this, he said, a lot of people worry about stuff, and they worry a lot about jobs, and they worry a lot about raiment, and they worry a lot about their looks, they worry a lot about their profile on social media, they worry a lot about their status in life, and their retirement accounts, and all of that. Jesus is telling us, he's given us principles in chapter 5, He's given us priorities in chapter 6. The thing you need to focus on 
is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's the main thing. And that is to make sure you seek first the kingdom of God. And you watch what happens in your life when you begin to do that. You seek that kingdom and you watch that kingdom overturn the powers of this kingdom. Because God wants you to live in this life in a victorious way, not in a defeated way, but in a victorious way. And he wants you to overcome the enemies that surround you. Just go turn in your Bible, if you don't mind, to Matthew chapter 12. I'm just doing these scriptures here as they, as they come to me. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. <clears throat> and they brought unto him one possessed with the devil. I'm reading in Matthew 12, 22. And it was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed, and they said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself, and how shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. 28. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and, and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. It depends, your victory depends on which side, which kingdom you're seeking. As there's a kingdom of darkness here that's oppressing this, this young man, and he's blind and deaf, and he's got all these uh, issues here, he's controlled by that. And Jesus comes along, and being a representative of that kingdom, he's able to speak in such a way because he knows, he knows the king of that kingdom is all about expressing his love and mercy to people that seek that kingdom first. And he's given us an example of what it means to seek first the kingdom. When you come into a situation, no matter what it is, no matter what, the, what the, uh, the circumstance is, when you come into a situation and you turn to that kingdom and the God of that kingdom, let me tell you something, that kingdom is able to exert itself over the kingdoms of this world. And it's, that kingdom is not just a theory, that kingdom is not just a thought or a Bible doctrine, that kingdom is a real place. How many believe it's a real place? I hope you do because you're supposed to have a body over there, Right? you got a house over there, and that kingdom is real. And the effects of that kingdom is real because when that kingdom begins to operate because of the faithful prayers of a righteous person, let me tell you, that kingdom is able to exert itself in this kingdom, and this kingdom never loses. The kingdom of God never loses. It's never inferior to this kingdom here in this world. And that's what Jesus did when he's confronted with this thing. He realizes, hey, if, if, I can, if, if this happens, if this demon is cast out, you know what? That kingdom has come upon you. It's, it's actually come upon this situation. It's invaded this situation here. I pray God would give us that kind of faith that we could uh, you know, come into any situation. Or you see something happening in your home. Uh, you see some kind of an influence that happens in your home. 
And what you automatically should do is just instinctively we turn to that kingdom and say, Father, invade this situation, invade this place here, and let your kingdom come in here and dispel the darkness and dispel the the wrong spirits that are here. Let that kingdom come in and take over this situation here because that's when the victories occur. Because that kingdom always has, has a desire to express itself. Because that's what God desires to do. He desires to bless and he desires to help people to overcome. Even though it's an unseen kingdom, it, it, it is always representative of a, of a heavenly father who cares and who loves us. And, and I believe that the, the person who arranges their priorities right. So in other words, uh, they're, they're in, in their times of trouble and in their times of desperation, in their times of need or whatever else, and they turn to God first. God knows that he can not only answer that prayer, but he can also add unto them all of the blessings that Jesus said would come when we seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom and all of these things shall be added unto you. And God would, listen, God would rather that we enjoy those blessings as a result of getting our priorities right rather than the riches that come of our own strength. God would rather you were blessed and rewarded by setting the right priorities rather than the riches that come because of your own strength. Somebody once said, and it might have been, <clears throat> it might have been Spurgeon who said, the best philosophy in life that you can have is to aim at heaven and get earth in the bargain rather than aim at earth and miss both. Aim for heaven. And get earth thrown in. Rather than aiming at earth and losing both. That's a good way to look at it. Now, I'd like you to, again, I'm asking you to look at a couple of scriptures. And I got just a couple more if you don't mind. Is this all right? Look in the Bible. Is that all right? So let's just look at Proverbs chapter 8, verse 11. This whole idea of seeking first the kingdom is, is a is a very important thing. It's not just in Matthew chapter 6, but we find it all over the place about the right thing to seek. Proverbs chapter 8. Let's begin reading at verse 11 here. 8.11 For wisdom is better than rubies. So what should you be seeking first? And all the things that may be desired all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it anything you could desire anything you think about wow that'd be a neat thing to have it's not near as good as wisdom and we're talking about the wisdom that comes from above right there's wisdom that comes from below and wisdom that comes from above in verse 11 i wisdom dwell with prudence And find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil and pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. And by me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles even all the judges of the earth. All of this comes because of wisdom. And I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. Do you understand what he's saying here? That all of, the, all of the things you could ever want in life, they're already with me. I've already got it all. Yeah. And the thing that you need to do is seek me, not that. Yeah. 
When your priority is right and you're seeking me first, all of these things are mine to give you. And when God blesses, it brings no sorrow. And God rewards them that diligently seek him. You understand? And riches and honor are with me. I've got all of that. I have all of that in abundance and I'm able to, I'm able to shed it. But I hold it for those that seek me first. And not only, not only are they great things, but they're durable things. In other words, they're not going to go away because the economy changes. And they're not going to go away because elections change things. They're not going to go away uh, because we make mistakes every now and then. All of us make mistakes here. But God says, I have good things for you in eternity, and I have good things for you here on earth. All the things that a person would imagine or want to have, I have all of those things. I'm not preaching to you a prosperity gospel. I'm just telling you what God is saying in Old Testament and New Testament that you should be seeking with all of your heart and don't get your priorities wrong. That's what he's telling us. Don't get your priorities wrong. He said, 19, my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver, and I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. Do you see that? I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. He doesn't say that I'll cause those that work for me to inherit substance. Or those that uh, preach for me that they'll inherit substance. Hey, he's looking for people who love him. He's looking for people who are in a relationship with him. He's looking for people that want to walk through eternity no matter what they get. No matter what benefits they have in life. Their priority is not the benefits. Their priority is their relationship with Christ. But the benefit is, the benefit is, bless the Lord, O my soul, that God has lots of benefits with him for those that love him. Do you understand? And sometimes when we go through the difficult times and we go through the valleys and we go through seasons where nothing seems to be making sense and the numbers don't always add up, let me tell you, he's just wanting to uh, make sure that you press on and to keep going and keep your hand in his and don't take your hand out to shake it at heaven, but rather just keep your hand in his and trust in him because riches and honor are mine and glory are mine and wisdom is mine and all of that is mine. All the other things I know you have need of. Do you believe that God already knows what you have need of? He said, don't worry about clothes and food and barns to build. Don't worry about that. I know you have need of that. And if God knows that already, do you don't need to remind him. And you don't need to make it your life's uh, plight to God, your life's uh, pursuit to God to say, I need clothes. He knows you need clothes. He's telling us, don't waste time seeking things that I know you need Brother, put your energy and your passion into seeking the things of God. And God will steer you around that, the, 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 the kinds of troubles that would ordinarily bring you down. He'll steer you into the right places. I, I was listening to Brother Shem last week, and we were talking about their testimonies, and I wanted to hear from him and Brother Wellington and their, uh, their stories about coming into the message and, and so forth, their background. And I knew a little, but I wanted to know some more. And Brother Shem was saying, uh, you know, talking about how that he was in Duke University and, and studying there and heard about the message and got online. Now listen, hey, the one place in the cosmos where you don't want to go when you hear about the message is to go to Google, right? But in, but in 99.999% of every other instance, when we want to know something, where do we go? But you can't go to Google because it's all filled with such... Satan's already spun that web and got all kinds of negative stuff out there. And I mean, there's all kinds of stories and accusations and websites and everything else. And you can easily slide into a pit if you're just an inquirer. 
right? And trying to figure out, well, who is William Branham and what's this stuff about the message and all of that, you know, and who are these people and if somebody wanted to do that. But an elected seed, hear me out, an elected seed, God's got his hand upon that elected seed, isn't that right? And Brother Shem, without knowing anything else, he gets on Google and starts looking and he says, I come right around all of that and he says, I come into a place where I realize, whoa, all these sermons are online. And he starts clicking play and he's listening to the sermons and reading about Brother Branham. I don't know how he got around all those traps and all those obstacles and all those dark spots there, but he did it. And I'd say this, I believe that he got around all of that because he was meant to get around all of that and God was bringing him to the tree of life. That's exactly why. Most people will come to that and they'd say, whoa, what are these people? What kind of strangeness is this? What kind of witchery is this? Right? And they take out their sword, Rhiannon, and they'd, you know, put an end to it. But a real elected seed's gonna go right around that, and he's gonna be led, oh wow, here's Brother Bam's sermon on this, and here's Brother Bam's sermon on that, and start feeding on that, and all of a sudden something kicks in. Holy Spirit begins to continue to lead that person and uh, bring him to the right place. How many can say amen? Let me tell you, that's why we're here. That's not because we figured it all out in the beginning. Even at the end, we haven't got it all figured out. But in the beginning, we are led by the Spirit of God that brings us to the right place where we find just what we have need of. Wisdom is already in him. Knowledge is already in him. Do you believe that? Prosperity is already in him. Riches are already in him. Honor is already in him. He's already got it all. And he's got it it to distribute to those that he loves because they pursue him. So we're supposed to seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness. Now, Brother Branham made this statement. He said, I thought this was really interesting. He said in a sermon called God's Way That's Been Made For Us in 1952. He said, now you say, Brother Bill, my mother just ran away from home. And my husband, he won't live with me. Brother Branham's answer was, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto me. He said, how, you, you say, how am I going to do it, Brother Branham? He said, just go ahead. Jesus said, follow me and seek first the kingdom. He said, that's right, keep your eye single. Keep your eye single. Questions and answers. Listen to the question that was asked Brother Branham. Brother Branham, I believe a woman should be subject to her husband. But if a Christian woman has a sinner husband who does not uh, even come to one of your service and wants his wife to be cutting her hair and wearing shorts and going to ungodly places, is this woman supposed to be subject to this man in this way? Please explain this more clearly because this is a question that's often asked. I mean, that's quite a tough question, right? he wants me to cut my hair and he wants me to do these ungodly things here and he doesn't want to come to church, he doesn't want to participate. So what am I supposed to do? Am I subject to this man in this way? And I love his answer. He said, no, sister, you're not subject to such a person. No, indeed. For this cause, you leave everything and cleave to God. And if that man wants to live with you, he said, you stay a Christian. But if he's going to make you wear shorts and cut your hair and do all those other things and ungodly places, he said, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You're not bound to such a person as that. Everybody okay? Now, he doesn't say, yeah, go find yourself a husband and get remarried and off you go. He doesn't say that. But you know what? Your, look, look, I want you to notice the priority he places upon seeking first the kingdom. It's even higher than this marriage vow. Not that she's breaking the vow, but she's, she's removing herself from that pressure to do things that are contrary to the word of God when her first love has to be to Christ. 
How many of you know that? That our first love is to Christ. Yes, we're married, but our first love is to Christ. As a matter of fact, your marriage is only going to be successful when your first love is to Christ. And husband and wife both have to have that. That's when a marriage is going to be successful. Because the priority already remains the same between both of you. And that is to seek first the kingdom of God. And whatever it is that God is desiring, whatever God is leading me to do, and whatever God is sending, that's what I want to pursue with all my heart. And when somebody's pulling you the other way, we know that's not coming from the kingdom of God. And so therefore, uh, we, we, have, we have the responsibility to remain with the first priority that Jesus gave. And that is to seek first the kingdom of God. Am I, am I being clear? <clears throat> now, I want to I add another little piece in here, and I'm going to ask you to turn again to your Bible and in, in Matthew chapter 5. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Now, Matthew chapter 6 is priorities. Matthew chapter 5 is principles. Brother John talked about, John Cockman talked about this around the fire the other night, actually, and I was just marveling at, at some of the principles that he was bringing out there in Matthew chapter 5 and, and the, the, the Beatitudes that Jesus was giving to us. But I want you to go down to verse 14 in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, and I want you to notice what he says about us here. In 13, he says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of men. But ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Ye are the light of the world. You people that seek the kingdom of God first, ye people are actually a light, and a light that is set up on a hill so it cannot be hid. So in other words, look at it this way. Most of the world is right here, right? Most of the world is right there. I mean, we're in the masses. We're, we're in, the, in the, the stream of things with everybody else. And Jesus is saying, but there is a group of people that are light because I am in them. Right? Yeah. Jesus is the light. But, but when he comes within us, where is that light then? It's in ye. Yeah. Right? Follow me now. I know this is simple, but follow me. And that light is to be set up on a hill. Because it's to be seen just like Jesus himself was to be seen to show what the kingdom of God was really like. Jesus said, now I'm going to be with you, even in you, and I'm going to set this church up on a hill so everybody can see them. Hang on now. Let's, let's read on just a little bit further. He says in verse 16... He says, so therefore, sorry, neither, verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the church now, and this is what I'm referring to as a church here, The church has the responsibility to become a source of light to this world, which becomes a path to people to come to the Father. It's not just that we're reflecting light and saying, oh yeah, God is good and God sent a message and so forth. We are actually to become the light of God that he sets up on a hill. He's not here to set himself up upon a hill. You're here and he sets you up on the hill. Because there's a light in you that is actually able to turn somebody in the right direction. 
Now hold on now. And I got to ask you to go to one more. There are only two more scriptures, so bear with you. You're doing great. First Kings chapter 4. I want you to go back to something we find back here in First Kings chapter 4. First Kings, the fourth chapter. And in verse 29, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. That's quite an extraordinary statement. That God gave Solomon this amount of wisdom that was unfathomable. It was uncountable. There's no way we could measure the amount of wisdom that Solomon had. Now, if you just pause for a second right there and look at the last of chapter 3. And this is when Solomon was brought uh, the question of two women who had one baby. You remember that? And they disputed about who owned the baby. And, and Solomon's answer to them was, well, hey, let's pull out the sword and cut it in two and give each one a half and you can go on your way. Next case. And the woman who was the mother said, oh, no way. I didn't want my baby to die. Give it to the other woman. I don't want that. And the other woman who didn't own the baby, she said, yeah, let it happen here so that, you know, if I lost my baby, then she should lose her baby. And Solomon knew, knew because of the wisdom that God had given him, which one was the right mother, right? And it says, as a result of that, now I'm in the end of chapter 3, in the last verse, 28, and it says, and all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged. And they feared the king. In other words, they respected the king greatly. And they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. So the people, are, are they, they've get, they got it right. They're, they're realizing, hey, God has placed among us a leader who actually has the mind of Christ. He's got the wisdom of God that's placed in him. And you know what? If, if we can respect that, and the Bible says that they feared him, if they respect that, then God's going to respect the nation. And let me ask you, did God respect the nation in the times of Solomon? Absolutely. He made all the nations around about be at peace with Israel. Isn't that right? That's not just a coincidence, friends. That's because the people around, the people in Israel, they respected the gift that God had placed within them. And when they recognized that, God honors them. They're not having to send their children out to war. They're not having to spend extra taxes to buy uh, munitions for war. They're, they're living in peace. They're living in shalom. They're living in a, in a way that God wants them to live. And Brother Bram said it was so good, he said that it was almost like the millennium back in the days of Solomon. And what can you attribute it to? Not because they were a better generation, but because they respected the gift that God had put in there and they realized this is not the wisdom of a man. This is the wisdom of God that's actually being channeled through this man. And my goodness, we ought to respect that. And they did. And God blessed the people. He poured out the blessing. He invaded the country and the countries round about and made their enemies be at peace with Solomon and all Israel. Am I making sense? And how did Solomon get the wisdom? Well, he asked God for it, right? God said to Solomon, what do you want to have? I mean, you're the new king. What do you want to have? And he says, give me wisdom. God says, hey, I'll honor that. I'll honor that because you know what? You could have asked for riches and wealth and all the rest of it, but Solomon had it right. He had it figured out. He said, riches are with him. Honor is with him. But seek wisdom first. Isn't that what he said? 
Seek wisdom first. And when wisdom, uh, when you seek wisdom first and you're seeking God first, he said, then all these other things will come. All this prosperity, all the other things. But th- I'm not seeking the prosperity. I'm not seeking the benefits. I'm just acknowledging the benefits as to where they're coming from because I'm seeking God first. I hope I'm getting that point across. All right, now go back to chapter 4 here, if you don't mind. 29, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding above the sand, sand on the sea. And 30, and Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. There was nobody in neighboring countries who was doing what Solomon was doing. For he was wiser than all men. And he, and he lists these, all these men here. And he says his fame went up all the nations there. 32, and he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. And he spoke also of beasts and of fowl and creeping things and fishes. Watch, last verse. And there came of all, there came of all people. In other words, all nations. They came to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. Now this really is an extraordinary thing. Listen, folks. Remember now, keep in mind what Jesus said. With the light of God, I'm going to set you up on a hill that all men will come to it and see the Father in action. Right? You're the light of the world. And Solomon represented a light of the world, of that kingdom. Because now all the nations of the earth, just stay with me another few minutes. All the nations of the earth are sending representatives. And even in the Hebrew language, it's saying that the kings actually stepped off their throne, took their crowns, laid them down, and made the journey to go listen to Solomon. They sat in the congregation, and they listened to him, and they... They, they, how, this man is achieving something that we know as kings we should also be achieving. Because this man's a king, I'm a king, he's getting these results, I'm not. How's he doing it? And they want to know. And so they go to listen and they go to hear what Solomon, he's got something that we don't have. And, and they're actually coming inquiring, and they're, they're wanting to know. They're like the Queen of Sheba. She said, I heard these things, and I heard stories, and I heard, uh, you know, exploits of, of Solomon. But I want to come and see it myself. And, and these kings and queens are showing up at Solomon's doorstep, and they're looking at that. And the Queen of Sheba goes away and says, uh, not only what I heard was great, but it's even exceeding greater than what I thought. It's even way beyond what I heard. This is extraordinary. This is supernatural. And you know what it is? It's a man who's got the wisdom. He's, he's sought first the wisdom of God. He sought first the, the, the God of that kingdom. And God honors that by pouring out all of this others and this wisdom and this, uh, this insight and this ability to be able to understand and the ability to be able to govern and to be, to be a, a king like no other king on the face of the earth. So much so that it draws all these men to him. Am I making any sense? And Jesus said the church should be the same way. I set you up on a hill. You know why? It's not because we're bigger or better or richer or we do more things than other churches or we got greater choirs or anything else. That's not it at all. God is not coming to show off our, our stuff. 
God is, you know what God wants to show to the world? He wants to show what he can do in a fallen life. I said God wants to show to the world what he can do with a loser like you and me. God wants to show to the world how he can take a sinner and pick him up out of the gutter and wash him off and justify him, sanctify him, fill him with the Holy Spirit and sit him in the pew and they'll just sit there and sing, I love him with all of my heart for the rest of their days. They're just in love with Christ because they've been redeemed and they know it and they've sought God first. That's the chief love in their heart is seeking God with all of their heart and all the rest of it's added unto them. They'll have cars to drive. They'll have clothes to wear. They'll have food on their table there. They know that because they're trusting in the right God and they've put their priorities right and they've set themselves on seeking God with all of their heart first and that's what seeking the kingdom first is all about is making sure that you're in love with Christ and all the other benefits they come and Jesus says and that church that group of people he says I can set them up and he says they're assigned to the whole world who knew who knew that Samuel Pugh would be in this number who knew that Sam Britton would be in this number and all the other Sams in the world? Who knew that they would be in this, in this number right here? But God, God sets them up on a hill. Not because, you know, you're great people and not because you're really smart and not because you're really wealthy and you've gotten, it all, you've gotten your, all your ducks in a row. No, no, these people, they love God with all of their heart. No matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how messy it gets at home, and no matter how messy things get with employment and all the rest of it and all the other uh, things that come into the world, they still keep loving Jesus more than anything else in this world. They just have that about them. And Solomon was the example of how God will take a people and set them up on a hill. And here's what Brother Branham says. I had a couple of quotes printed out here. I want to just read you this. He says, Ye are the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And we tonight ought to be ashamed of ourselves and honestly and humbly confess our unbelief before God and ask Him to forgive us of how we represent Him in this life. You have to think about how you're representing him in this life. Oh, in church, I wear skirts that are modest and below my knees. But outside church, I don't. Because I'm outside church. I can't figure that out. Because when are we ever really outside of church? When are we really outside the body of Christ? (laughs) We're always trying to represent God in eternal life, right? He says the Old Testament people did not have this presence. The Old Testament people didn't have this presence. Moses and Elijah, those people were great men ordained of God. But they didn't have the privilege you have. Listen, they did not have the power given to them to perform as you've got yourself. Those people in the Old Testament didn't have the power given them to perform as you have. That's amazing. They had a knowledge of God. David said, thy word can I hide in my heart and I might not sin against you. But they never had the power to make it live. He put the Holy Spirit in you to make that word live in you so that you would carry out his judgments and his statutes. And he said, for they foresaw this day and they embraced it and believed it and they looked forward to it to come. And he said, if Satan's body can be operated by unbelief, 
And he said, if unbelief and doubts and fear will produce sickness and disaster, he says, them people by unbelieving produce that. Shouldn't people believing with the power of God harness these things and bring them back to correction again? Hey, if God delights in the praises of his people, who dwells in your complaints? I said, if God delights in the praises of his people, and God inhabits the praises of his people, do you believe that? Who inhabits our complaints? Who inhabits our murmurings? Who inhabits our criticisms? Somebody's got to inhabit them. (laughs) And if I understand it right, God probably doesn't. Right? And Brother Branham was saying that if if what, what they say, he said, unbelieving, if it produces sickness and it produces disaster and it produces problems and it produces division and disunity and it produces all of that, he says, if that'll, if, if Satan's uh, words, he says, will cause that, he said, how about God's words in the mouths of his people when God's given us his, his spirit and the power to perform what God has said? Let me tell you, it's not because uh, HBT is not what it is because we have the smarts and we've got a good group of people and we've got great trustees and good deacons here. Let me tell you, that's not it. It's the people that respect the presence of God. It's the people that respect the word of God. It's the people that respect the gifts that God has placed within the body. And when God sees that, he invades that place. He showers that place and says, watch what I can do with a group of people that love me first. They're gathered because they love me, not because of what, uh, what revenue they can bring in. That's not the goal. The last quote I'll give you. Brother Branham said he was talking about his own church. Listen to what he says. This tabernacle, Branham Tabernacle, he said it's known throughout the entire world. This little concrete block place on the corner, he says known throughout the world. He says, I think about David. And when he said, he said he was communing with God, he said, Nathan came to him and he said, here I am living in a house of cedar and my God dwells in tents. He said, I'll build him a house. And Nathan said, do all that's in your heart. And he said... Now he says a little old backwashed, kicked out something on the corner of 8th and Penn Street. He said, and the people would come here today. God, by his mercy, has picked you up. Listen, he's picked you up and made you a great people. In Germany and England and Finland and Sweden and Europe and Africa and Asia, they all know about this church. They all know. They all know the name. They've never been here. They all know the name. Listen, he says, and God has made us an example to the people. And to think how after God's doing that we turn around and dilly-dally with the things of the world. He said, how we ought to be a lighthouse that's set on a hill. That's what God put us here for. He says, instead, and he's talking to his own church, he said, how we dilly-dally in the things of the world. How can I get around this? And and, uh, what excuse can I give to justify this and and something else? And he said, we dilly-dally with the things of the world. How we ought to be a lighthouse that's set on a hill, a candle that cannot be hid. He said, oh God, I'm as guilty as the rest of you. We kind of take it for granted. You know, the, uh, the church, HBT has always been there. Brother Barry's always been there. You know, we, we, always, we always have service on Sunday and uh, we have a uh, great fellowship hall and all the rest of it here. We have fall fellowship here and we have uh, this event and that event here. Let me tell you, the world, the world if, if there's any credit, the world will remember this church and the name of this church, not because of our fall fellowship and not because of our actual physical material building, but rather what we do for the kingdom. That's what the world 
That's, the, that's what the message world gets excited about. And you know what? It, it's, it's not for recognition. And that's, and listen, you know my heart. And I'm, saying, I'm just speaking to you honestly here today. You know my heart. It's not uh, for recognition. It's not to get more members. It's not in any way to do that. Because I've seen God do great things with small numbers. And God continues to amaze us how how he can do such great things with such small numbers and small amounts of resources. And and God, it's just supernatural. And that's really what it is. It's a supernatural, which is one of the evidences of the resurrection is the supernatural because the supernatural just doesn't happen because people pray hard. There has to be a God of the supernatural who responds to the prayers and the needs that that are represented among the body. Isn't that right? And the supernatural, the, uh, the, the, the supernatural occurrences that happen, let me tell you, they're a result of the resurrection of Christ. But, but the reason why, the reason why that we're able to do anything at all, the reason why we're able, like Brother Bram said, the reason why uh, that people would even know the name or they'd have any association with the name at all is, is because there's something being done for the kingdom because there's people within that church who believe that that kingdom is greater than this kingdom. And they love God more than all the, other, all the other physical things in this life. And they come here not because of the, like I say, the great, the great physical uh, structures here. They come here because the message, is, the message is preached. And Christ is lifted up. Perry Green asked Brother Brandon one time, how do you do it? He said, how do you go into all these meetings and you know the hearts and minds of these people who are there. They're all Trinitarians and different things. And they have different ideas and different doctrines. And, and he said, how do you go in and deal with all those different beliefs in the congregation when you can know their heart? Peregrine said, how do you, how do you navigate through all of that? And how do, you, how do you kind of put out all those arguments, you know, when you're preaching and so on? He looked at Brother Green. He said, I don't do any of that. He said, the Bible says... When I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And Brother Bram said, I simply go in and lift up Christ. And he said, the elect always come to that. Rather than fighting everybody and wrestling with everybody and trying to out-preach everybody, he said, I just lift up Christ and the elect will always come to that. I thought, wow, what a great lesson. If we are responsible to do any one thing, not only here in the church, but in our lives, in our families, is just lift Christ up. Just lift him up. And, and I will tell you something. God has a way of, of pouring things out. He has a way of blessing his people when we honor him and put him first. The last thing I'm going to ask you to do is go to Acts 27. That's, a, that's the second last chapter in the Bible, in the book of Acts, sorry. And I want you to take a look here at this little story. And I'll stop right here. In Acts chapter 27... Tells this great story. Paul is, he's instructed by God. He knows he's got to go to Rome. He's got to stand before Caesar. This is what he knows will probably be a one-way trip. But he's got to get there because God told him he's going to go. And in chapter 27, it begins out where Paul talks about when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustus band. And you can read down through the details of this chapter and how there were 276 people who were aboard this boat, crew, captain, prisoners, 
276 people. So it's a pretty good-sized boat. And they set sail. The easiest and fastest way to get to Rome is to sail there. And so Paul is on this journey now to get to Rome, and he's, he's under guard, and he would be included among the prisoners there. So the conditions are pretty rough. And they, they set out on their journey, and in verse 14 it says, But not long after they set out on their journey, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. But that was a Greek name they gave to this particular kind of a storm, and it was called the chief plague of sailors. Because it was a mixture of all kinds of storms. It wasn't just headwinds. They had cyclones. uh, They had whirlwinds. They had thunder and lightning. They had winds that were erratic. In other words, they were coming at them, behind them, the sides. And everything about this particular kind of a storm was destructive. Everything about it. And so Paul carries on and he says... He says, if I were you, he says to the, to the uh, mariners there, the men who were sailing the ship, and he says, if I were you, I wouldn't put out. I wouldn't put out the sea. Because he says, this is going to be pretty bad. And he said, if I were you, I wouldn't put out the sea. But they don't listen to Paul. At this point, they don't listen to him. But in 21, it says, after long abstinence, in other words, Paul staying by himself, he stood forth in the midst of them and he said, sirs, <laughs> you should have hearkened unto me. And not have loosed from Crete to have gained from this harm and loss. And they were looking at the ports and they were saying, this is a good port to stay in and this is not. And uh, you know what? I think we could make a run for it and we could go. And uh, Paul is, is, is telling them, he's warning them, don't do this. And the man who's listening to Paul, he's, he's a courier and he's going between Paul and the captain. And uh, he decides to listen to the captain. And he says, I, we're, gonna, uh, we're actually going to make a run for it. And Paul says... After this storm strikes him, and they almost all perish, in 21, he says, you should have listened. But he says, and now I exhort you. Now they're 14 days out, and they're battling this storm, and none of them have eaten. Okay? They're 14 days without food. They haven't eaten a thing. And, of course, then the prisoners haven't eaten a thing. And the conditions on this boat must be wretched on steroids. Right? I mean, it's got to be really brutal on this ship here. And, and they're, they're, they're still trying to battle the winds and the seas, and they're not making hardly any headway at all. But Paul says in verse 22, watch what he says, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Hey, everybody, this is going to be great. Everybody, smile. We want to take your picture here. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. We're going to lose the ship and everything in it, but we're not going to lose anybody. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Glory to God. In other words, in the middle of the storm, there's somebody watching over that boat, right? There's somebody who's watching over that ship there, and they might be going through the most difficult time, and it's all horrendous and difficult, but God says, hey, I got a greater purpose going on here, and just stay with the ship, because everything is going to be lost, but the people who are on this ship. 
But the only way you're going to survive is to stay on that ship and just watch what I do. I'll bring you to my destination. And so Paul says, hey, in 25, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. He says it again. And I believe God, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told unto me. Howbeit we must cast to a certain island. And when they, but when the 14th night was come, so there are 14 days wrestling with this storm here and uh, all of the, all of the things that go with that. And now they come near the, the shore and, uh, you know, they're, they're taking depth soundings and they're coming near the shore. And 31, and Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide with the ship, he cannot be saved. Because they were saying, all right, we're going to throw people overboard and all the rest and we're going to swim for it. Paul says, stay with the ship. Stay with the ship. That's my advice. Stay with the ship. Saints of God, I think we should stay with the ship. There might, be all, there might be a lot of desperation, you know, that people have in their voices and say, well, we ought to go this way and we ought to get out of here and we ought, to, we ought to go for the easy path and we ought to try, hey, stay with the ship. God's put us in the ship. I believe he wants us to stay with the ship. 34, wherefore, I pray to you to take some meat for this is your health. This is for your health and there shall not be in hair fall from the head of you. Hey, listen. Get the cook up here. Let's have dinner. Even though nobody can stand up and everybody's sick as a dog and all the rest of it. Let's have dinner. Let's get, let's get Brother Sam here to get some steaks and put them on the grill here. Let's do this. Paul says you're going to all faint if you don't eat something here. And guys, we're not going to die. We're not going to lose. We're going to make it. Don't you worry. We're going to make it. He says, don't worry. We'll all be there. And it says in 36 that when they were all of good cheer, they, they also took some meat. And they were all in the ship 200 score and 60 souls and so forth, down to 42. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill all the prisoners, lest any of them should escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they, should, that they which should swim should cast themselves into the sea and get to the island. And the rest of them on board, they eventually made it to the shore because they were right there uh, next to the shore. Let me tell you, Paul's not worried at all. He's not worried about his own life because God has said, hey, you're going to wind up in front of Caesar. So one way or another, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind up in front of Caesar. So I'm not worried at all. Light up the grill. Let's have dinner. Let's rest in this voyage, even as rough as the voyage is. Saints of God, headwinds will try to stop you. I mean, you can be, you can be intimidated by the headwinds. But if you know who you are and we know where we're going, put on the grill. We might as well enjoy the journey. Just make sure you're on the right ship. Just make sure you stay with the ship. And make sure you're listening to the right one. Because here's these, all these people on the ship, and there's all kinds of people probably giving suggestions, but Paul's giving a suggestion, and they ignore that because that seems illogical. That doesn't seem right. But that was the right advice to take, right? They should have stayed when, they, when Paul said stay, and they should have traveled when Paul said travel. Because you know what? It's not Paul. It's someone above Paul who's watching over this whole scene because there's a bigger purpose in just getting this boat uh, to another port. There's, God's at work here, and he's doing something greater than what they, any of them understand. Isn't that right? And in the same way, saints of God, I believe that God has got a goal for the bride of Jesus Christ. And he's going to get us there. Hey, the government might, might do some crazy things. And there might be some things out there in society that happen. And there might be some laws passed and all the rest of it. But you know what? What you need to do is just make sure you're resolved in your heart. Stay with the ship. Get ready for the journey. It's probably going to get rocky. But you know what? God's watching over this ship. And he's going to get us all there. And there won't be anyone lost. Now the ship will be lost. 
but we're all going to be there. You have children that are doing things that are squirrely and you can't figure it out. The same God that's watching over you, I'm here to tell you, is the same God that's watching over your children. You just apply the token in prayer. I mean, really, what else can you do? If you've got adult children, you can't force them to do certain things or force them to see what you see. You only see what you see by the grace of God, and you can't force them to see. So, Lord Jesus, I'm just going to apply the token over them and just trust that you'll deal with their hearts. And, Lord, get them to the right destination here. Let's have our musicians just step up to the, their instruments here. And Paul is giving us an example here that when the headwinds like this come, when these real tempests come against us here, there's a temptation to jump ship. There's a temptation to turn back. There's a temptation to do other things here. But there's one who knows. There's one who has it already figured out. Program's already set. Our job really is just to obey and know where that voice is coming from. That's why, to me, saying to God, I believe our strength is in staying with the word of the hour. I said our strength is staying with the word of the hour. Because it wasn't William Branham who brought this message. It was God who brought it through him. And if it is the word of God, then it is certainly something we should pay attention to. Headwinds come. We need to lean into them. We need to lean into them. Honor God. Fear God. Trust in God. And he has a way of using those storms to get you accelerating towards the finish line. It's really nothing to fear. Let's stand to our feet. I love how smart God is. I love how smart God is. I love how he has it all figured out. Let's sing that little chorus. <clears throat> the more that I surrender, the lighter my load. Let's sing that just to begin. And let's just worship him this morning. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. We thank you, Lord, for all the benefits. The more that I surrender, the lighter my load. Cares, Lord, He takes control. More than I humble myself, more He lifts me up. Every day I live, Lord, I love You more. Sing it again.
Every praise is to our God. Let's sing it this morning. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship and one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Hallelujah to our
Don't you love him this morning? You know, he doesn't want you to do a whole lot of other things, but just to love him with all your heart. That's what he loves. He loves when we love him. He loves when we worship him. And we're not followers of him because he gives us benefits. We are followers of him because we love him and how great he is. But benefits come in the bargain. They come because he's a good God and he wants to bless his people more than even they want it themselves. And that's really true. That's really true. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence this morning, Lord, we, we are humble, Lord, by the, just the very fact that you would make us like you made Solomon, a city on the hill. And Lord, when people heard of the great wisdom of Solomon and the great uh, judgments that he made, Lord, they came from afar and they listened. Even kings laid down their crowns and sat at his feet, Lord, to hear the wisdom. Lord Jesus, you said that the, the church, the believing church, the church that's built upon the rock, that those people would be a light. It'd be a light on a hill. A light that was not extinguishable because it was the light of God. And Lord, that light has a power to draw men to you. Father God, I pray that we would represent you well. And as we as we live in this world, Lord. I believe you you have a desire, Lord, for us not to be overcome by this world and not to have our priorities rearranged. But you're gracious enough, Lord, to establish the right priorities for us. Father, may our hearts be motivated by that one thing that we would seek first the kingdom. And then all these other things would be added, Lord. But may our heart's desire be towards you first. You are great, Lord. You are worthy of all of our praise. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. May you bring healing to those that need it, Lord. And may we have a realization, Lord, that we indeed, because of your grace, we are stronger than our enemies. We are stronger than the forces that would try to pull us down. And Lord, I pray that you would give us that confidence, Lord, as we face the battles and the headwinds that come against us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because you care for us. Thank you, Lord, that you're drawing us closer to you. And we'll give you praise and honor in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let the worshipers arise.
Father, I see the 